Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone. On today's show, we have with us Pamela Richardson, CEO of Financial, sorry, Robertson, CEO of Financial Voyages, and Sharon Macaluso, Area Director of the UGA Small Business Development Center. Thank you, ladies, for being with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I would love to hear from your perspectives. What are the key trends that you think are really important for CEOs to know about from your area of expertise? Pamela, would you would you go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. And thank you again for having us on the show. So I'm the CEO of Financial Voyages, and we are an international business and finance company. And we specialize in international development, international affairs. So our whole focus is to provide collectively that workforce with three main areas, business, finance, and project management skills. So from our perspective, the things that the trends that we're seeing is the skills that the workforce needs that's working in the international environment. It's not just those direct skills in business, finance, and project management, but also collectively of partners and organizations that they work with. So not just knowing your realm, but also how does that impact your customers, your suppliers, um, other um, NGOs that you're actually working with. So that's one of the areas that we see. Just to, to be clear about that, so you're saying that the, the people need to have more depth of knowledge around culture and being able to relate to other cultures and being able to relate internationally. Absolutely. <clears throat> the culture and also the context. Um, whether you're working with foreign assistants um, or you're working on the ground, um, that makes a big difference. And so that's an added um, value that you bring to the table. All right, so that would be one area. The other area I would say is being able to adapt to a constantly changing environment. Um, there's always something that's going on, whether it's political, whether it's internal to the organization or to the leadership. Um, being able to, not just the workforce, but also your processes, being able to change to those and adapt. So those would be the two things that I would say is, um, again, the collective uh, workforce and also being able to adapt to the changing environment. Right. And given uh, so much that's happening in international affairs, I imagine that adaptability and flexibility must absolutely be key. It is of the utmost <laughs> um, right. skill set that you can have along with the technical and the softer skills. Great. And what about you, Sharon? What, what are you seeing in, in your work with small businesses in terms of trends this year? Okay. Well, I, um, of course, I work with small businesses throughout the state of Georgia. I work with a lot of growing small businesses. Um, a lot of what I do is strategic planning retreats for these growing small businesses. And so I guess the one of the recent trends we're seeing is, of course, the economy is picking up a little bit. So the businesses are starting to grow. However, what we're finding also is that they need some direction on how to manage that growth. Um, in fact, we just finished uh, one of our signature programs is called Grow Smart, and it's designed for the more established, bigger, small businesses. And we just had several uh, Bulldog 100 
uh, participants in the Grow Smart program. What and is what is Bulldog 100? Bulldog 100, they are UGA graduates that have started successful businesses and they are recognized by UGA um, in this special program called the Bulldog 100. So we had about six of those folks come through our Grow Smart program recently. And one thing that I noted that was interesting, one of them had just finished their MBA and he talked about going through Grow Smart how helpful it was. He learned a lot in in college and and getting his MBA in theory, but now he was having to learn how to apply some specific tools to help him manage his business better, help him to manage his growth. So things like the J-curve, the 12-month trending um, income statements, these are kinds of tools that we teach in the Grow Smart program that helps a small business who's growing to manage their business on a daily basis. We had someone else go through the program, and one of the things that he mentioned that he was completely changing his uh, financial management system to some of the tools that we had available in the program. So the trends, I think, are with these small businesses that are growing is that they're trying to figure out, one, how to manage that growth most effectively. And instead of just having business happen to them, they're wanting to know how to drive the business in the direction that they want it to go. Um, and the other thing, going back to what Patricia, uh, or I'm sorry, Pamela said too, was that um, the flexibility in being able to adapt to change because the marketplace is changing, the economy is changing. We are seeing a lot of businesses growing internationally as well. And so leaders who can't have that adaptability and who can manage that change are the ones that are going to be around for the long haul, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, Pamela, how, how we've spoken with a number of guests over the past few weeks about the fact that the economy does seem to be improving. And how is that affecting your business, Pamela, the fact that things seem to be loosening up and improving a little bit in the economy? Well, I think one of the areas is we do a lot of work with um, government organizations as well as international organizations. And so that procurement process is also starting to open up because then the funds become available for better negotiations with contracts and grants. So that's one area. You can definitely see the whole value chain being affected when the economy starts to pick up because then your suppliers, your customers, your partners also can, you know, participate in that growth. Right. So everybody's kind of feeling a little bit better and the loosening the purse strings a little bit. Much better. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Yes. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the culture and the context and the rapid pace of change, especially in international environments. And so are you seeing, you know, any effect of like political situations on the work that you do, given, you know, anything in the Middle East or in, in Africa or any of those kinds of um political conflicts affecting the work that you do? Yes, of course. There's always um, an awareness of um, political changes that are going on no matter what country you're in, whatever, no matter what region we're in. And one of the things that we bring to the table is if we're doing training, usually it's customized. Um, if we're doing training, our instructors on the ground know the region. And so they're able to adapt. Where do you serve typically? Where are you? Um, Some of our customers, again, in the international community are um, embassies, consulates, Mm -hmm. state. Um, um, We also have experience, our instructors have experience with USAID. Um, and then also United Nations types of organizations mm-hmm. is what, what our target market is. And so are you all over the world? All over the world. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, so not a particular country, not a particular region. It's all over. Mm-hmm. So yes, Middle East, um, Africa, Asia, Europe, 
And what do you do to, let's say you have folks that are going into a place where the culture is very um, foreign, you know, let's say, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, You know, let's say they're going to the Middle East where things clearly are very, very different from a cultural context. How, How do you train people to rapidly train people to, uh, to adapt and, and function in a culture that's so alien? Well, one of the things is to make sure we're very selective in who we put on the ground because they have to have international experience. And so they're able to adapt once they're there. The other thing is prepping, too. We know some of the sensitive areas that are going on before we even depart. Um, so we're aware of that. They know what's going on in that country, what's going on in the region. Um, other things, too, is um, we're always listening to them. We're available 24 hours if anything goes on. Um, they're always connected to the State Department, to the United States State Department, if they have issues. Um, but this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on the ground, folks. We do this all the time. And so we um, have always been able to adapt to situations. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had a situation where there was there was an issue where somebody didn't necessarily adapt? And how did you how did you deal with that? Um, let me see if I can talk to things that we can speak to. I think one of the it necessarily wasn't adapting. It was making sure that everybody was on board because one of the other things is we're a women-owned firm. And so some of the regions we go to, we have to take additional precautions, whether it's being um, clothed mm-hmm. properly out of respect for that particular country um, and being aware of religious um, 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 protocols. So all of those things come into place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And how does that, do you find that learning to adapt to cultures, different cultures internationally, um, changes people's ability to deal with culture here in the U.S.? Are they more, do you find that they're more facile here in the U.S. now that they've had to learn how to adapt to cultures in a a foreign culture as well? Well, you know what? I think it's just a different perspective. I mean, I grew up in a very international environment. And so that global perspective is always there. That awareness is always there. And so sometimes it may be the reverse. It may be the culture here in the United States is different <laughs> for those of us that are, are very focused on an international environment. But it's, it's having that broad sense of acceptance, that um, broad sense of mutual respect, um, and also being aware of security issues as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Sharon, as you look at, you work with companies that are now feeling a little bit more um, optimistic in the mm-hmm. environment. And you, you mentioned that they're now having to really think about what it means to grow. Mm-hmm. How are they, how are they using their strategic planning in, in the work that they're, in the work that they're doing to grow mm-hmm. their companies? Well, CEOs what we, that you work with? sure. And um, yeah, so what happens a lot of times is with a business as it grows, um, it, it's kind of like I would define this organic growth. In other words, it just kind of happens to them. And then they reach a point where they feel like, hmm, I've got to get a handle on this. I, you know, I, I feel myself growing, but I don't know if I have the structure in place to support this growth. Is everybody on, in the company on the same page? Do we all, does everybody understand the vision that we have for the company? Um, and so many times what I see happening with rapid growth is they are growing very quickly. But the structure is missing a little bit. And also the business owner, uh, when they they come to us to work with them one-on-one on strategic planning, 
there's there usually is one specific area that they know they need some help with. So whether it's just sometimes it's deciding, is this the right market for us to go into? Sometimes it's dealing with human resource issues. Sometimes it's financial. But almost always it comes back to where they need to focus initially is on clarity of vision. What is the vision that they have for this company? What is the direction that they want to drive this company? And what is the premise for doing that? And one of the things that we do with them is we take them through a complete SWOT analysis, uh, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats within their company. We look at what are their internal strengths and weaknesses? What are the opportunities and threats that are out there that they should take advantage of or that they should try to avoid. And we've had companies that we've worked with. For example, one company, uh, they manufactured locks and some other equipment for prison systems. And one of the things they were thinking about doing was opening opening another plant in another area. After going through two days of strategic planning and a SWOT analysis, they figured out that that was not the best investment, that there were other options other ways for them to grow and to take their business in the direction that they wanted it to to go. One thing I wanted to add, too, about culture. Um, We've been talking about culture as it relates to uh, going into different countries, and and Pamela made a very good point is I think uh, I'm very much like Pamela in that I have not lived internationally, but I've traveled a lot all over the world. And I think that does make you more receptive and understanding and appreciative of the other cultures. And therefore, if you're back in the United States running a company and you've got that kind of experience, I think that is a, a wonderful learning ground. And it is very helpful in that. Um, but we also talk about culture in the organization in terms of, you know, what kind of culture do you have? Is it an IBM culture? Is it an Apple culture? I mean, what is it like to work within your within your company? That gets down to the company's core values. And one of the things that we talk a lot to companies about is having clarity of what their core values are, because that determines hiring decisions. Uh, it determines who they do business with, how they do business, and we have had so many instances. There's a another um, client that we've worked with, actually with the Women's President's Organization, and very successful, fast-growing woman-owned business. And one of the things that she shared with me was that one of the biggest mistakes they ever made is they hired someone who was bringing this huge book of business into their company. They were real excited about, I mean, this was basically going to triple the sales of their business. Her gut was telling her, I'm not sure that they're going to fit in. I'm not sure they're going to fit with this culture. But they were so excited about the amount of business, they kind of turned a blind eye to it and did it. She said, the second biggest mistake I made was waiting as long as I did to get rid of rid mm. of this person. It was like a poison in the organization. And I think until businesses, we always talk to business owners about the importance of working on your business and not just in your business and taking the time to step away to do a situation analysis, which is a SWOT analysis, taking some time to get clarity of vision, define specific objectives and goals that they want to accomplish over a specified time period is really the 
the premise for helping that business to grow, grow effectively, grow efficiently, and making sure that everybody in his company is on the same page and going in the same direction. So let's talk about specific results, Sharon. So in working with your your clients, what are the specific results that you see people get from the strategic planning work that they do? This is near and dear to my heart because I I deal with a lot of folks who don't necessarily see the value Mm -hmm. of strategic planning. Why should I take the time to go on a retreat when, you know, I may have grown my business by writing my business plan on the back of a napkin or whatever. <laughs> so tell me about, you know, why, what kind of results you see people producing? Well, I th- a couple of things, it all gets down to the bottom line. Right. Their profitability is increases. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to what I said before is so many times, and I've been doing strategic planning retreats with businesses now for probably about 12 years. And I've done from, you know, the mom and pop, um, family-owned business to the business with 200 employees or more. Um, And in almost all cases, I have found that going through that process, they get an aha moment, something that they had just not thought of or had not occurred to them before. Because the reality is, as an entrepreneur, even if you've got employees, you're still, I mean, you're doing you're wearing all the hats you're doing a lot of work and you are in there day in and day out working in the business you're not taking the time to step away and think about well how could I do this better you know yes I have a a two percent profit margin right now and that's good could it be three percent could it be four percent um And based on the resources that we have within our company, are we using those resources as effectively as we could? Um, And the other thing that I see so many times when we do strategic planning, if it's a company that has several employees and they have a management team, a CEO, a CFO, director of human resources, director of marketing, they all come to the table together. And it, it's amazing some of the different experiences that I've been through with these companies. Um, I had one time we were doing strategic planning and we were talking about, well, what this is there. We, we, we have something we call the big audacious gold, big hairy audacious gold. Yeah, that's from good to great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, and, and so we always ask them that, well, what is that? And so, you know, in, in this one session we were talking, so well, what is it that's keep, you know, what's keeping you from getting there? And everybody was really silent. And someone finally spoke up and said, well, we don't have a leader. And the CEO was sitting in the room. And she spoke up and she says, you're exactly right. So it's getting everybody together, time out from the business, time out from the day-to-day, to really plan the direction that you want this company to go. Again, it gets back to not just having business happen to you, but actually planning the direction that you want this business to, to grow in and to grow most ef- effectively and most efficiently. What kind of profitability increases are you seeing from the work that you're doing? Oh, gosh, we have seen anything from, you know, a 1% to 10%. Um, also, where we see a lot is in this sales revenue growth. We've had, um, and I, I don't want to mention any company names because we, we do uh, keep confidentiality with our clients. But um, several of our clients who have done very well have been recognized in the Georgia Trend Small Business Guide. And one of the IT companies has quadrupled his sales in the three years since he first met with us. And he has gone into a lot of more international markets. Um, he actually, going back to, I was talking about Grow Smart before, so 
when we work with clients, we work with them strategic planning, and we usually encourage them to go to Grow Smart. Um, he came and brought four of his managers to the Grow Smart program that went through the strategic planning. And then he decided he wanted his managers in India to come and go through the Grow Smart program. He flew them in to go through it because, again, it's all about getting everybody on the same page, making sure that we're all moving in the same direction, and everybody understands the vision and the mission and the core values of the company. So, you know, if you talk about a four, four times growth in, in revenue, that's uh-huh. clearly a, a huge payoff or even, you know, a 10% increase in profitability. Mm-hmm. Most business owners would... would uh, would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think the people who aren't do- doing strategic planning aren't doing it? Well, very much like what you, what you referred to is they don't see the value of it. And, 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 and many times when they, like I said, when they come to us, it's because they are experience, experiencing something. There's a, a pain or there's an opportunity out there and they're trying to get a handle on it. Something prompts them to say, hmm, I need to reach out. I need to see what I can do. So there's something happening in their organization that says, I need to do something a little bit better. Maybe I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, And then we sit down and start to explain to them about what the strategic planning process is all about. Then they're on board and they want to do it. And like I said, every time we do it, they come out with at least one aha moment. I was working with a, a very successful business recently. She's a physician. She has a business that that she started and is doing very well. Um, And in the strategic planning session, we started talking about the value of setting measurable goals and objectives, smart goals we talk about. And she said, well, I, I never like to do that because I don't want people to feel bad if they don't reach those goals. The people in the room were thrilled to have goals. And so sometimes the CEO um, or the owner doesn't realize that doing something as simple as setting goals and and giving that kind of direction to their people is something that people need and something that they want. Um, And it's no fault of the entrepreneur. It's just, you know, they've had, they've realized success and, you know, until they take that time to step away from the business and really look at it from a different perspective, many times they're just so busy in the day to day that they don't recognize those kinds of things. What about you, (coughs) Pamela? You've uh, obviously been working with with Sharon, what kinds of results have you seen, and why do you why do you see value in, in the strategic planning process? Well, one of the things is um, one of our core competencies is um, you know business acumen, and so we provide strategic planning as well to our customers. But as an executive, we also need to step back and look to make sure we're going in the right direction. So one of the value um, areas with Sharon is to help make sure we're maintaining focus. And I think for business owners, um, that's critical to growth. And so knowing exactly, even though you have all these different opportunities, which ones are really worth pursuing and putting your resources towards. And so having specific measurable goals to go towards, putting the resources behind them, and then the supportive processes focused on that growth. And there's different types of growth. You can have very quantitative, like um, profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, we're more focused on that versus the top line because at the end of the day, that's it's what, what you take home. It's just what you take home, exactly. And so when you first start, you know, you're in survivability mode, but we're in year 16 now. And so our focus is on 
the goals and objectives that we have long term as well as, you know, operational um, objectives that we have. And so, so those margins are critical. So let's say that, you know, uh, I'm very interested in the specifics. So you have, you know, this big aha moment, you know, and working in the doing a strategic planning and you finally get focus. How does that actually tra- translate into a bottom line impact when in, in your work? So, aha, you know, that's really great. You have this aha moment. How does it actually end up in the in, in the bank account? Okay, so there's a couple of things that have to happen. It depends on which program that you're putting those resources towards that you're going to say, okay, this is how we're going to grow the company. This is the strategy we're going to use. And so what is it going to cost you? So you have to know your numbers. You have to know your numbers by that program or by that project. And so, okay, you're going to bring in so much uh, revenue that's coming in. And then what are the costs that are associated, that acquisition cost of bringing on additional people, of improving processes, of supporting, all of those things are direct cost. And then you also have, what is it costing you to run the company? And if you haven't made those processes efficient enough, then that shrinks your margin. And then once you have that in place, then you know, of course, what your you know, your gross margin is or your, your, your margin. And then, of course, the taxes and, and then you get your net, which is your bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so underst- understand your numbers. That's what's critical because that bottom line is really what matters. It's not how much you're bringing in from the revenue. It's that less your direct cost, right, mm-hmm. indirect cost. And then what is it going to cost for that project or that program. And how do you take that aha moment and mm-hmm. turn it into an initiative or a project that actually then will generate some money or quadruple your revenues yeah. as you have? Well, um, one of the things that we do when we're working with clients, um, because so many times um, the reason a strategic planning process doesn't work is failure to implement. Mm -hmm. So it's great to be in a room, have great ideas, have aha moments. And then if you go out of the room and you go back to business as usual, then you've wasted two days with us. So what we really try to do on the second day is, is set up an implementation plan. Well, to have an implementation plan, you have to have Again, like Pamela says, there has to be measurables, there has to be timelines, there has to be accountability, uh, there have to has to be dates, there has to be resources, and that's one of the things that we work uh, really closely with our small businesses on if they are dedicated to making this happen is day two, we're talking implementation. Who's doing what? Who's responsible for what? What are your KPIs? What are your key performance indicators that you're going to look at to show that you're moving in the direction that you've said you want to? Uh, So if you're looking to achieve a certain goal in terms of increase in sales of a new product, for example, what are some of the things, how are you going to measure your progress along the way? Um, So I think that measurement, uh, and that goes to quantifiable things, the numbers, uh, and implementation, which dictates that somebody has to be accountable um, in order for a strategic plan to become more than just a two-day planning session. Yeah, and one of the complaints, so I'm, I'm trying to lead you to something, so instead of leading you, I'll just ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one of the things that I that I find um, in working with clients is they complain that, like, you know, I did this plan and it didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so why should I bother, right? And 
in in that process, one of a couple places where I I find you know the failure is either they don't have their assumptions around their numbers correct, so they mm-hmm. think that something is going to cost X and it really costs three X or two mm-hmm. X, or it's going to take you know this kind of skill and it really needs this kind of skill plus four or five others, right? So my question for you guys is how do you make how does a CEO make sure that when they're building that implementation plan or the plan for execution? Or they're figuring out how much the project is going to cost. How do they make they they make sure that those assumptions are accurate? You know, for us, one of the lessons learned is, and it goes back to to good to great, is have the right people on the bus, and that includes the leadership team. Is having those that are experienced that at least know what questions to ask that have been down this path before. That makes a big difference. It's not necessarily knowing all the answers, but it's what's knowing what questions to ask and bringing in the right resources in order to answer those. And get small wins. It doesn't have to be something like five years down the road. It's what about this quarter? What about this month? So that you have those, you have time to make the changes. It goes back to that adaptability of being able to adjust if the things are not working out the way that you had planned them. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Sharon. I was going to say too. I mean, and that's exactly right. So, one of the things that we encourage these businesses to do is that they do have quarterly strategic planning, you know, regroups. So, in other words, they're not going to spend two days with us and then just go off and, and do whatever, but they should be meeting at least quarterly, some meet monthly to say, okay, are we on track? Everybody knows what their responsibilities are, what they're working on. Um, and, and and one thing I would tell you about plans and about forecast, it's all in the future. I mean, if we had a, a, a ball to tell us what the future was going to hold, you know, we wouldn't need to be thinking about strategic yeah, no, planning, I'd be, right? I'd be looking at what's the, next, what's the winning lottery number. Right, right. So, <laughs> but, but the idea is, and this is, this is the point I make, too. I mean, CEOs with big corporations – uh, whoever they are, Coca-Cola's, AT&T's, they make decisions every day on imperfect information. and But they do, they don't go and make decisions blindly. They don't make it on no information. That's exactly right. And so by taking that time to, to plan and to, again, go back and do the situation analysis, let us let us see what's going on in our environment today. What do we predict may be happening in the future? Do we know 100%? Absolutely not. But I always also liking it too. If I'm going on a vacation, I can get in the car and just start driving. Who knows where I'll end up? But if I take the time to plan, if I am planning it, if I want to go to Tahiti a year from now, if I take the time to plan that out about where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, uh, and what I'm going to spend, what my budget is, chances are it's going to be a lot more successful than just blindly getting in the car and going. And, right. And yeah. so, Pamela, just to go back to your, your you know, project analysis when they're, you're scoping out and you have your big idea and now you want to turn yeah. this into a series of initiatives that will then um, have some sort of meaningful impact. Do you do any research around that process to understand, you know, that project and or how do you go about formulating what that project will look like? So you talked about doing the analysis on the numbers, mm-hmm. but then how do you actually formulate what the project itself is? Oh, that's a good question. And so one of the, we're actually going through that process again now. 
And so one of the most important things, um, before I address that, I want to talk a little bit about the growth and your destination. Okay. Sometimes Make when, sure you come back to this I other will. thing, though. Sometimes when you're going towards that growth and destination, it may not be where you thought you would end up. And so you may have to pivot and redirect that strategy. Um, and it's better to do it sooner than later. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at projects, one of the things that we do is we look at it from different perspectives. And so who's the customer? You have customers and you also have end users. And so are we meeting those particular needs? That is first and foremost. Are we delivering what we promised? And so the research happens on going through the details of collecting everything that we possibly can on that particular customer and where their pain areas are, and also looking at gaps that they may not even know that we can bring to the table based on our experience. The other thing that we do to, to kind of hone that, that information is we reach out to our network. We reach out to relationships we already have in place. And so this is what we're kind of thinking about. So you have to brainstorm those with smart folks that are around the table um, to look at it from every possible angle so that you're delivering something that has rich content that is delivering, that's actionable, and that's real life. It's not just on paper. You're having discussions of problems that are actually happening so that you're solving those problems. So that's probably the biggest thing, is really focused on the needs, but also from whose perspective are we talking about? The, the processes and the services that we provide bring in so many different perspectives. We're dealing with financial, non-financial professionals, executives, foreign service officers, foreign nationals. The gamut is so wide. And so we have to make sure that we're addressing all of those particular needs. So not just to the organization as a client, but who's going to use this information? How are they going to be able to take it back? Well, like I said, we're on the ground, folks. So we come from a practitioner standpoint, but we also have the science behind, you know, beneath the research that we're doing. Great. And um, so just to turn the, the conversation to, you know, your work with the SBDC and, mm-hmm. and, and with Sharon, um, Pamela, we always have folks on the show who know each other. And so tell me a little bit about your work with, with Sharon, Pamela, and um, – Sharon, tell us why you were delighted to get up and, you know, drive all the way over here and, and spend the morning with uh, with Pamela, Sharon. So go ahead, Pamela. Okay, so Sharon is um, a very vital person on our advisory team. We have everything from finance to contracts and acquisitions to, you know, attorneys and so forth as far as advisory board. And Sharon and I met, she came and gave a briefing at the Women President's Organization. And that is a wonderful network that meets once a month, um, very small group, um, for women-owned firms leading um, companies that are generating over a million dollars in revenue. And so we have different issues that we need to talk about. So it's kind of like a board that meets. So Sharon came and spoke. And that's how we connected. And I had done work before with SBDC, and I recommend every small business at least get an advisor that's a good fit for them. Um, And so we sat down, and it was a time where we were going through a lot of growth. Um, And we just wanted to make sure we were focused in the right direction because there were a lot of opportunities, but we wanted to choose the right ones to move towards, you know, the growth that we needed. And so we sat down and just like Sharon was saying, we went through that SWOT analysis to say, where are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? 
And of course, the specifics about the international piece wasn't as important because that's our expertise, but it was bringing all these resources together to say, okay, let's lay this all out. We did a, a huge whiteboard, laid everything out, and went through honing the focus of what is our vision? Where are we really going with the company? And honing what the mission was, the values, which is critical to us, because we have values not just from a company perspective, but we also have it from, because we're going into different countries. And so cultural sensitivities is one of our core values as well. And so just looking at that on the whiteboard and stepping back from the day-to-day was so valuable. Um, and then the questions that were asked. So then once you have that big picture down, then it's, okay, now how are we going to get there? How does that end up? like on the monthly, you know, agenda and how does it end up in the bottom line? Mm-hmm. So we went from that, you know, the big picture into actionable steps. And so where we could meet on a quarterly basis and we're actually getting ready to set another schedule of meetings. And so it's a way to kind of just step out of the day to day and have a different perspective to say, let's look at this and see where we're going with that. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's probably, and Sharon, you can add to that yeah. too, because yeah, we've met so, we've yeah. met so many times. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, and and one of the things that I do so so at the SBDC as consultants, we are generalists, meaning that we consult with all different types of businesses on accounting issues, marketing issues, whatever. So, but then we all kind of develop our own areas of expertise. Well, one of one of mine is facilitating strategic planning retreats. Uh, but we have a group of consultants throughout the state that have different areas of expertise. And so if I'm working with a company, say, for example, I'm doing a strategic planning retreat, and I know someone else in our organization that has a particular area of expertise that would be a good fit for us working with this company, then we co-consult and I bring in. So we may have a small team of consultants that work with this client on strategic planning. Uh, one other thing I wanted to also uh, touch on is the idea that you cannot do big business strategic planning on a small business. And one of the first companies that I started working with on strategic planning was a land development company several years ago. And they came to me because they said, we feel like we really need strategic planning. We've been in business for 25 years. We hired a company a few years ago to help us with a strategic plan. It did not work. We could not implement any of the strategies that we discussed. And so what we strive to do is help the small business person understand the value of strategic planning and how it applies to them as a small business. What we want to do is come away with two to three strategies that they can actually go out and implement. We don't want it to be so grandiose and so far out of their ballpark that that it becomes overwhelming and intimidating and it just doesn't fit in with their day-to-day so the idea is let's let's identify a few goals that you're trying to accomplish let's identify some strategies of how you think you you're going to get there and who's going to do it who's going to implement it um so for this one particular company he had been in business for 25 years he was going to go from one owner to six owners he was older he was making some of the gentlemen in his um, firm partners mm-hmm. and the younger folks in the organization had a whole different way, idea about how the company should grow. He's been doing it for 25 years. He knows how it should grow. Right. So now we've got six owners. 
with six different ideas of how the company should grow. And unless you get around the table and you hash this out and you talk about it and you strategize and you understand why why this person thinks this or whatever and discuss it, then you're all moving in separate directions. And by getting around the table and doing that, <clears throat> it helps them. Also, I want to point out that my role in this process is not to tell the business what their strategies and goals needs to be. It is for me to facilitate for them to realize that on their own. Uh, because the businesses we work with, obviously, they, they most of the time have been in business for a while. They're going to know their business and their industry better than we, we do. Our role is to facilitate that process. I also tell businesses it's a good idea in the strategic planning process that you have an outside facilitator do that for you as opposed to you trying to do it for yourself and your business because the biases that come in um, and not only that you you need someone who clearly understands strategic planning and the process and their role is simply to facilitate that for your business right and so uh, Pamela would you say that every company should have a strategist on their team you know just like you have a lawyer you have a marketing consultant you have an accountant would you, would you say that that's something that you would recommend, recommend for every CEO? I would recommend it not only because it's one of the services that we provide, but because for small businesses, again, it's easy to lose focus because there's so much that's going on, even with your management team. And so, and the other reason to have them um, on board is you need that sounding board. You need that sounding board outside of what your team is doing and what you're doing operationally. And you may get questions that you might not have even thought about. I mean, even brainstorming amongst yourselves. And so um, just gaining that clarity. And the other thing is, in order to grow a firm, to successfully grow a firm profitably, you cannot do that without a plan. You just can't. You cannot do that without a plan, and you can't do it without specific goals and objectives. Um, if it does, it may be accidental, but in order to sustain it over time, um, where you're able to withstand all the changes that are going on in the market and the environment, which you really may not have control over, you have to have a plan in place. And that doesn't mean, that could be one page. It's the discussions that happen. Mm -hmm. That's what really what matters. It's not the, the plan or the paper or anything like this. It's have you thought through the process of growth and have you thought through what the trade-offs are going to be. What am I willing to give up? And have you done the research to understand, you know, what, what's happening in the marketplace so that you don't get blindsided, like you said? Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. So, uh, ladies, thank you so much um, for being with us this morning. Uh, Sharon, you want to let us know about anything that might be happening at the SBDC that our listeners might, uh, might want to be um, participate in or be interested in? Oh, sure. Well, <clears throat> I would say the first thing to do, I would just recommend if I can give the website and go to our website, because that's where they'll find all the different programs that are going on. Also, anywhere in the state, there's an SBDC that will service their area. Uh, so if they just go to www.georgiasbdc.org, you'll find all the different centers, you'll find the different programs that are going on. Um, I mentioned Grow Smart. We have Grow Smart several times a year. And for a business that is looking, <clears throat> excuse me, that is established and looking to grow, that's an excellent program uh, to look into. You have to apply and qualify to, to get into that program. And we also, uh, you know, digital marketing is big. And so we have um, partnered 
with some other organizations, and we have a digital marketing program that has been very well received. It's an all-day program. We usually have anywhere from 60 to 70 businesses in that program. Um, But we have a lot of other programs, too, for all different sizes of businesses. But the best thing is just to visit our website. Um, If they would like to talk with our office in DeKalb, they can call me at 770-414-3110. Okay, what about you, Pamela? Well, there's a couple of things. I think um, one of the things is being clear on what makes you different as a company um, and always putting that in the forefront, no matter what's going on in the next projects. And for us, one, of course, is being in the top, you know, 1%, you know, women-owned firms. Um, And then also... Congratulations. Thank you. And also to my colleagues that are there, too, and helping others to continue with their growth. But that's not only attractive because for, for from a national standpoint. But it's also attractive, not just to our customers, but also to partners. Because being certified as a woman-owned firm, and also we're veteran-owned as well, that opens up doors for contracts. And so, and for particularly for the women-owned, there's no limit. There's no dollar limit as long as it meets the other criteria. Mm-hmm. And so that's very attractive. Um, as a competitive advantage. The other thing that I would say is we're ISO 9000 certified. And so that gives customers that confidence that we can consistently deliver on the services and products that we're providing. And that also provides competitive advantage. Our international experience, the mobility that we have and the expertise that we have is huge. And that's also an attractive um, competitive advantage. And then finally, I would say is just our past performance is consistently delivering on cost control, relationships. So knowing what makes you different um, outside of just the products and services that you're selling. And so for us, probably the hot spot that's going on now is that we uh, deal a lot with operations from um, cost to project management to the strategy, all the things that happen inside the organization to provide those skill sets um, so that those that are delivering their services, we're helping our customers help their customers in essence by providing those skill sets Excuse me, that are needed on the ground. So now we're starting to um, enhance that and provide similar services into foreign assistance, and which is huge. Not just the monitoring and an evaluation of it, but also foreign assistance, grants, um, those areas are definitely needed. The, the services that we're providing in that space as well. And so there are a lot of customers. Um, both foreign and domestic, that are going to benefit from us moving forward and deepening um, what we're already bringing to the table. So we're really, really excited about that. And if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, we put all of our social um, um, media information on your website, so you can reach us through either LinkedIn or um, Facebook or Financial Voyages. Um, TeamFV.com is the website. And then you can also go into LinkedIn as well and connect with us right away if you'd like to. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. It's been wonderful. Oh, thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.